When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Run the Table podcast. It is Monday, October 24th. We just went through another another interesting week here in the NFL. But as we kind of dive into the Week 8 waiver wire and also get you guys prepared for Monday Night Football, we have a full cast here joining us today. Myself, at myself, Tommy Garrett, at Tommy Garrett PFN over on Twitter. But joining me today is Jason Katz. You can find him over at Jason Katz13 over on Twitter. And Mr. Ian Warden himself over at NFL Film Study. Guys, this was, once again, a weekend where the NFL just kind of seems just up on its head right now. Quarterback play is down. Defenses are winning. Teams that we're expecting to win aren't winning. And now we're just throwing injuries into the equation, too. I mean, before we get diving into things, how'd you guys, how are you guys doing? How was your weekend? Did you guys at least have some some fun this weekend or something? It was another another rough week when it came to uh, to fantasy scoring, but that's just par for the course. We we saw that that's tweet out about a week ago. This yeah, is honestly, sport. I think for me, my the hardest year I've ever had playing fantasy football. I, I maybe it, that's it, just me. Oh. It feels that way for me as well. I think what we discussed this a little earlier like off the air and that there are basically like three good teams in the nfl in the bills uh the chiefs and the eagles and if and if, if you i'm saying 49ers of, i'm throwing throw 49ers. them in there as well yeah but typically but we still, have okay, we're seven, still talking about less than a handful you know right we typically have seven eight maybe nine teams that we consider okay these are good teams or at least good offenses yeah. and the problem when you translate that to fantasy football is well if there aren't that many good teams then it kind of just increases the randomness in what is already a random game, and we're doing our best to try and sift through this. It, it kind of feels like two weeks ago, the teams that I thought I had that were great now look terrible, and other teams that I thought were terrible now look great. It's like every couple of weeks, your outlook on players and teams changes drastically. It really hammers home the point that it's a week-to-week game, and you just got to try and, just try and win this week. Yeah. I mean, if, if this season hasn't convinced you guys you want to play in best ball leagues yet, I don't know what it's going to take. Um yeah, at this point, the COVID season was easier because at least then I knew why guys were underperforming or they weren't out there. Now I got no idea. Ian, how was your weekend, my man? You know, fantasy wise, it was a disaster. So I'm right with you yeah. guys. Betting wise, did pretty good. Eight and one against the spread. Hit a lot of player props, especially thanks to those juicy rushing lines that we got from our star running backs. Shout out Ken Walker. Basically like my must play every week now. Um, so, you know. Good for the pockets, bad for the ego a little bit because I'm getting made fun of a little bit in some of these leagues. But, you know, at the same time, it's all about that green, and we have a little bit of green right now. Yeah, we got a little That's all that matters. But I guess what I'm curious about is everyone I'm seeing is just saying how much they're losing in fantasy. So does that mean just no one is winning? Because someone in these leagues has to be winning, and I just, I'd love to know who it is. Uh, but I think before we kind of dive into a lot of things, let's kind of look at just real quick, recap some of the quick injuries that I'm sure we're going to have a massive impact. And granted, we are recording this early on Monday morning. Um, we don't have all the information yet. It's probably going to come out sometime during the afternoon. Uh, what we kind of get definitive answers on some of these players, uh, for one in Tennessee, uh, we did see Ryan Tannehill in a walking boot after the game. 
Uh, he had to come off the field for one play, um, end up going back out there, um, even though, and they still somehow found a way to get Malik Willis to turn over the football, trying to get too cute. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's expected Ryan Tannehill will play, but just on the precaution of that, uh, it wouldn't be Malik Willis taking on the Houston Texans in week eight. Uh, I think probably the biggest one is going to be Brees Hall, which is just uh, is just a gut punch. The best running back in this class, a guy who was looking special. I mean, I, I mean, me, me and you, Ian, talked about this. Like, he was the, the Javante Williams of this class. Um, but he goes down with a knee injury. At first, I actually thought it was going to be something to do with his head because he took a shot to the dome uh, when that happened. But it is knee injury. The team is suspecting ACL, and that's just a – it's just, like I said, it's just an awful situation. Um, can only hope the the diagnosis is not as, as severe because uh, I'm tired of losing good running backs, especially young ones quickly. Uh, uh, Chuba Hubbard, who came in there to help replace the loss of Chris McCaffrey, who is now out there rocking the red and gold, left the game with an ankle injury in the fourth quarter and did not return. Donta Foreman ended up leading that team, but I think that's a team we're going to touch on here in a little bit when we get to waivers. Uh, DK Metcalf goes down with a knee injury, was carted off, didn't come back on that one as well. No idea what the severity is on that one. Same as Mike Williams, who dealt with an ankle injury and was carted into the locker room. Good luck for them. They're already coming up on a bye, which is kind of why I figured Keenan Allen wasn't going to play. So we'll kind of see what happens uh, with Mike Williams. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown also suffers a concussion. Uh, We also, Alan Lazard, suffer, suffer a shoulder injury. He was initially ruled questionable, but did not return. And then finally, David Njoku, my breakout tight end this year, who was apps, he's been on pace to do it, had another great game, seven for 71, but goes down with an ankle injury. Harrison Bryant would be the next man up, but clearly does not have anywhere near the level of upside that you get with David Njoku. Uh, I kind of, that's the big things right now. We'll kind of see if there's any uh, little, little injuries kind of pop up here along to his team's heart to report what came out of the weekend. But let's go ahead and take a look at next week and dive into the waiver wire and cats. I think this is probably going to be the consensus number one uh, pickup this week off the waiver wire, and that is Gus Edwards, who we saw make his own return from an ACL tear he suffered last year. I mean, coming into to 2022, I'm sorry, coming to 2021, he had three straight seasons of 133-plus carries, 700-plus yards. They gave him a contract. We know they like him. I've always been the person to stay away from running backs their first game back after a season-ending injury. But I think Baltimore showed us if Gus Edwards is active, which he is now, fantasy managers have to be zeroing in on what could be a very productive running back for the Baltimore Ravens, right? This is uh, the second time in the last three weeks we've had a a clear top waiver wire target. We had Kenneth Walker two weeks ago for the leagues where he was out there. And Gus Edwards, I know once he was was activated from the pup or IR, wherever uh, he was on, a lot of people picked him up. But still not enough. He's out there in over half of Yahoo leagues. The Ravens were very careful with Gus, with Gus Edwards. And we saw that in, their, in his initial return this week that they were able to give him 16 carries because they were so careful and they didn't want to make mistakes that other teams have made. Or maybe that they did with J.K. Dobbins and bringing him back a little too early if we want to call that a mistake. I'm not quite sure. But what's clear is they like Gus Edwards. The thing is, he only played on 36% of the offensive snaps. That's only going to go up. Now, we know the Ravens don't ever use any running backs for more than like 50% of the snaps, but that's okay because Edwards is going to get there eventually, maybe as soon as this week. And once he gets there, I mean, 
36% of the snaps and 16 carries. These were the running Ravens. They, they were they were back to the old school Ravens that we saw. They ran the ball a total of 38 times against just 16 Lamar Jackson pass attempts. If we're going to get this version of the Ravens, we may see Gus Edwards with 20-plus carries uh, in pretty much at an average going forward. I don't know if J.K. Dobbins comes back in the fantasy regular season. Gus Edwards might be an every-week RB2, and I think he is worth at least half the remaining fab, if not close to all of it. At this point, what else are you doing with it? Because I would have spent everything a couple weeks ago trying to get Kenneth Walker and those guys. So if you missed out, like you at least have another option here. And yeah, Gus Edwards would be a top play. And if it's not Gus Edwards, I would say the other one is going to be Michael Carter. Normally, we kind of we don't mention guys who are typically rostered in like 60-plus percent. But given the news of Brees Hall, Michael Carter, who is rostered in somewhere between 62 to 68 percent of leagues, depending on what site you play on. You got to go out there and get him too. Um, we saw him be productive last year, but like I said, obviously, if you bring in Brees Hall, like he's going to become the RB one. But Michael Carter, a former one thousand yard running back when he was at the University of North Carolina, playing alongside Javante Williams, uh, and then also had a a very productive uh, rookie year. Had a couple injuries in there here and there as the Jets were trying to figure out who they were as an offense. But I think Michael Carter in this exact same kind of role. I think he can still flourish in this one. He's not going to have the, he's not going to do everything Brees Hall can do. Obviously, Brees Hall was probably a little bit more well-rounded than him over most areas, but Carter could very well be a a usable flex style running back uh, for this New York Jets team. That's surprising quite a few people. Um, I think the biggest surprise of this weekend certainly came between the Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay is reeling, and you never would have thought that a team who just fired their head coach is has their third-string quarterback in the game and got rid of one of the best players in the NFL through a trade somehow came out and played better um, as they knock off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And leading that charge is Donta Foreman, who is only rostered in, I believe right now, less than about 42% of leagues. So he's out there in a ton. We kind of touch on Chuba Hubbard also. He is also out there and just over, uh, just on, uh, he's only rushed about a third of leagues out there. But I think we, the focus is going to be on Dante Foreman, who, like, when this news initially came in, I know all three of us were all asked our opinions on who we kind of gave the edge to. Um, I think early in the game, they were really kind of favoring Chuba Hubbard for a decent part of that game. And I think if Chuba would have stayed healthy, we could come out with a different result in this one. I gave my, my initial lean, I think most of us were, though. We were kind of leaning Dante Foreman, just kind of based on what we saw last year with him filling in for Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. And he kind of had a, a game we almost kind of saw last year, rushing 15 times for 118 yards. Also added 27 yards on two uh, on two receptions. More than half of his yards came on one 60-yard run, so obviously we can't bet on that happening every game. But with Hubbard out, I think Dante Foreman does give a little bit of upside. It's, it's an interesting one because it wasn't like Chris McCaffrey was you know, doing 2019 Chris McCaffrey things on this offense. So it's hard for me to sit here and say like a, a running back is going to do better in the exact same role that Chris McCaffrey did. But if you're looking at someone who could be a potential RB2 against the Atlanta Falcons here in in week eight, I think I think you could see that. Probably someone I would recommend picking up off the waiver wire just in case we figure out what's going on with Chuba Hubbard. Uh, but I think both of those guys are probably going to be worth looks off the waiver wire. Speaking of someone off the waiver wire, and this is a guy that, I was talking about last week. He was in most of my stuff. I know, Ian, I think you were in on this one, too. Wandale Robinson of the New York Giants. Who else did they have to throw the ball to? There's a reason you brought in Wandale Robinson. Like, 
when you're in college, you don't accidentally end up with over 100 rushing yards to go along with 1,350 receiving yards. Like, Wondell Robinson is going to end up becoming the New York Giants' number one wide receiver option, isn't he, Ian? I think he is. You know, we saw Darius Slayton come out and make a really good play, get a good touchdown early. Was super happy to see that. Someone that, you know, I've been rooting for to get more snaps. But this is really the Wandale Robinson show, right? Like, no matter what happens with Slayton, he's a ancillary piece. Even if Kadarius Toney has life suddenly breathed into him and his career, it's still going to end up being Wandale Robinson. This is the, the recent investment by this front office. We saw eight targets, six catches. 50 yards, played a really nice 69% of the snaps in week seven. So he's going to keep seeing his role growing over the next couple of weeks. I think this is going to be the baseline for him moving forward. Going to see a lot of volume, great for PPR leagues. Uh, I think he could be a nice flex option depending on uh, if this team can start getting involved in the run game a little bit. I know you don't want to take away carries away from uh, Saquon Barkley, but you have to be a little bit creative at some point too whenever you're working with an offense like this. I think Robinson is a sneaky candidate to kind of be at least give you a couple carries here and there, but really continue to give you five to ten catches a week. Yeah. I, I don't know one thing. It's like anytime we hear like a wide receiver receiving carries, like no, we're not saying it's going to be Debo Samuel. Like, that's not it. But this is the guy who does have some skills on the ground. He's not going to run anyone over in the men's league. He doesn't have that same kind of size that you see with a Debo Samuel. Um, but if anytime we can get more production on the ground and be efficient, I'm all for it. I'm all for getting more fancy players and more opportunities, especially when they're some of your most talented players on your offense. The Giants would be doing themselves a, a disservice not to start getting the ball into Wondell Robinson's hands even more. And is that starting to play the hand also for the Indianapolis Colts, Jason, with Paris Campbell, who's starting to finally be the Paris Campbell we were hoping it would be? He's had a couple back-to-back really solid games. What's your opinion right now on Paris Campbell? Is he starting to become the the number two for this Colts team, even though it looked like it was going to be Alec Pierce for a while? I'm really torn on Paris Campbell. I really liked him as a prospect coming out of Ohio State. And then we got three straight years of him just not being able to stay on the field. And now he and they were just fluky healthy. injuries too. Yeah, that's the thing. It wasn't like he's constantly straining a hamstring or, or spraining his ankle or something like that. I mean, we're 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 looking at like hand fracture, foot fracture, concussion, MCL, PCL yep. sprains, abdominal strain sprains, just a lot of one off injuries that aren't necessarily recurring. But just just a guy who's, I mean, I want I want to say he's undersized, but but uh, he just just he couldn't stay on the field. But now. He's played every game this season. He looks healthy. And we're in a spot where Paris Campbell looks like he is someone who could be a regular fantasy contributor. I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm torn on this. He was right up there with Michael Pippen and Alec Pierce in snaps uh, this past week. They, 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 Colts ran a ton of 11 personnel and they played, uh, basically it was, it was one down for each one. It was 64, 63, 62 in snaps and then 48, 47, 46 in routes run. So it's pretty much the same for all three of these guys. And Campbell though, he drew 12 targets, catching 10 of them for 70 yards and a touchdown. It is his second consecutive game with double-digit targets. That's that's hard to ignore. And I think even if you're like me and you're not maybe fully buying in, that kind of doesn't matter in fantasy because you can't just wait to be like, okay, now I'm sure I can get him because someone else out there is making that call right now. So you got to make that call. And I think you've got to take the shot that Paris Campbell is the wide receiver two going forward because the upside is just, we, we see it. It's weekly wide receiver two, and that's in his range of outcomes. And when you're at this point in the season with so many injuries, you have to take the shot at someone like this. And I think Campbell probably will go for anywhere from 10 to 20% of your fab. That's pretty expensive, but I think, I think it's worth the shot, even if you end up being wrong. Yeah, 
you just got to hope Matt Ryan can kind of keep his offense going and can sustain multiple wide receiver options. Because um, this is a team that we know at any moment, they want to give the ball to Jonathan Taylor and he just takes over the game script and he's going to rush 25 times and it doesn't matter who else is out there outside of Michael Pittman. Um, so I think that's the, going to be the concern with the Colts, but I'm just happy Paris Campbell is healthy. At this point, I, I will take that. That's someone who I just, I just want to see him play good football. I want to see the, I just want to see what he's got. And I feel like we haven't been able to, and he hasn't been able to put his best foot forward. I think we're starting to see that right now. Um, in deeper leagues, I think an interesting name we've kind of seen kind of fooling around out there. It's having a better season than many are, are considering is Zay Jones. Not the, not the sexiest name out there, but I think what was interesting is caught four of his nine targets for 54 yards against the, uh, against the Giants, but he's now, now got 46 targets on the season, which makes him 24th in the NFL amongst targets, which I think kind of surprised me a little bit. And what surprised me even more is that's also while missing a game due to injury. And at this point, I mean, pretty much every single option you can find inside the top 30 is pretty much all rostered at this point. So at least we're finding some consistency here out of Zay Jones. Seeing plenty of targets, also is now seeing double-digit fancy points in half of his games this year. <sighs> is it the most cons- most consistent option? No, probably not. Um, but I think if we see Trevor Lawrence kind of continue to his, his maturation process, which I think we have seen a massive step in in year two. I mean, this is essentially his rookie campaign. Last year was kind of a throwaway. It was basically a lesson on how not to be in the NFL um, when you're surrounded by Urban Meyer. But at least here, I mean, Zay Jones makes a little bit of sense. If you're in a deeper league, look for someone who might be able to go a little under the radar on way on the waiver wire. You can kind of pick up later on. I think Zay Jones makes a little bit of sense. One other name here that's also going to be in deeper leagues, and this is just due to the just the current situation of the offense. And you've got Khalif Raymond here of the Detroit Lions, and I, this is not one I initially thought of. I think it's a really sneaky name based on what's going off there in Detroit. He is. This was a pretty productive player last year. He had 48 receptions, 576 yards, four touchdowns. Just no one was really paying attention to the Lions, but he's a nice player. And that was part of the reason that Detroit had all this receiving depth. We saw them cut some pretty decent players coming out of hard knocks and this, uh, the preseason. And then all of a sudden these injuries stack up, right? We see Amon Ross St. Brown. We see DJ Chark go down. Jamison Williams are still kind of waiting for a bigger role for him when he comes back on the field. This is a perfect opportunity. Five catches, 75 yards this week, two rushes, 20 yards. You kind of talked about that with Wandale Robinson. You're not counting on it, but 20 yards is 20 yards. It's another point for you. So I I think he's a nice option. Like you said, it's going to be deeper leagues. He's not owned in hardly any leagues across Yahoo, ESPN. Um, But he's someone that's going to quickly catch on because he can be a big play threat as well. Career uh, yards per reception at 13.7. That's topped out as many as 20 on a smaller scale, 2019, 2020. Obviously, with golf, things aren't going to be usually bombing downfield quite as often. Um, But he's still a nice guy. I think that if you have injuries, if you have guys on bye weeks, at least consider Raymond if uh, some of these other folks we've talked about either aren't available or just don't float your boat. Yeah, I think the other thing we're all just kind of waiting on is when is Jamison Williams going to make his his debut? And does he? And that's the the question. The Lions have said they're going to take the long game approach. Um, if he were able to come back at any time here, with given what's going on with Shark on the IR, with what's going on in Monroe St. Brown, like Jamison Williams is set to just he could dominate once he gets back in there. But it's that question of will we actually see it? And quite frankly, I don't know. 
I know, Catch, you've got another uh, long shot here in Marquise Godwin. I think that's a name that kind of is going to surprise a couple people. But if you think back, this is someone who has flashed in different opportunities, uh, different times when he's been given an opportunity. Do you kind of see that being a trend here moving forward for Marquise Godwin? I, this is crazy to me that that we're still looking at Marquis Goodwin mattering in the NFL. I mean, he's 32 years old now, and I know that speedy receivers they typically age actually better because the speed kind of doesn't necessarily go away. Uh, and we're and we're seeing that with Goodwin already. I mean, he had he had a quality quality game uh, yesterday, filling in for DK for an injured DK Metcalf. Uh, yep. Metcalf Goodwin was the guy that Geno Smith looked to. I mean, he had two touchdown passes. Uh, to Goodwin that were just absolute dimes. I mean, playing with Geno Smith apparently is just a major upgrade for for players in general. Uh, Goodwin was out there for only 54% of the snaps, but 4 for 67 and two touchdowns. And Metcalf is, he's going to miss at least a week or two. Uh, I'm pretty confident in that. Um, the most recent news we've got is it's a patellar tendon injury. We don't know the severity of it. Mm. Pete Carroll is saying he doesn't need surgery, but I mean... We've seen Pete Carroll talk about injuries before, and and well, he's not exactly the most reliable source. So I, I'm worried that Metcalf could be out a month or even longer. They need a wide receiver too, opposite Tyler Lockett. And like like uh, you pointed out before, we've seen Goodwin be good in the past. I mean, this is someone who who had 105 targets back in 2017, had 962 receiving yards. Uh, he could have a little moment here, and, and I think that when you're dealing with injuries to your fantasy teams, you've got to take shots on guys in good offenses. And yes, the Seahawks are a good offense, so. I think Marquis Goodwin is a sneaky ad. I don't know how much fab I'd spend on him to get him. I'm hoping you can get him for like under 5%, but I mean, you never know. It depends on how deep your league is. Yep. I think another sneaky ad here too. Oh, it's a team heading on to a bye week and you're talking about the injuries. Andrews set this one up for DeAndre Carter to have himself in a pretty decent situation. Caught three of his seven targets for 37 yards, but it's really because Josh Palmer was out with concussion. Keenan Allen was on a, a snap count coming back from a hamstring string, and then you saw Michael Williams carted off the field in the fourth corner with an ankle injury. Uh, they're on a bye this week, so I don't know if you necessarily have to go out there and get them right now, but if you had the waiver wire spot to be able to, to stash someone um, based off, you know, kind of what we see in case some of these guys don't come back, DeAndre Carter is a name to kind of take a look at. I think another one, too, um, is take a look. Remember Van Jefferson? Do you guys remember that name? Van Jefferson is actually going to be making his return uh, coming off the IR. The Los Angeles Rams experiment with Allen Robinson has not worked out so well. He did have that touchdown last week, and as much as I enjoyed that, how much is that going to parlay into to further to further development on this team? I don't know. Van Jefferson, though, was someone who had the quietest 800 yards and 50 receptions probably in the NFL history last season. They know they love him. He is making his return. So I think Allen Robinson, who's only rostered in 7% of leagues right now, is someone you go out there and get and potentially end up with a number two, number three option on the Rams because Tyler Higby has been the number two because they really haven't anyone, haven't had anyone else. So I think he, he would be coming back at the perfect time for the Los Angeles Rams. A couple of the names here, Ty Johnson out there in, in basically literally less than 1% of leagues. Daniel Jones, who had himself a busy day on the ground out there in 39% of leagues if you need a uh, quarterback to stream this week. Evan Ingram rostered in only 41% of leagues. And also Greg Dolchich, who is apparently ever who we thought Albert O was going to be the guy who looks like a jacked up extra off the Pirates of the Caribbean is only rostered in 11% of leagues. They're over. These guys are over the limit, uh, but we're going to mention them anyway. Antonio Gibson, who is still getting run despite Brian Robinson seeing uh, being out there and active. He's out there. He's out there. Go get him. Tyler Boyd is coming off a good game. 
feels a little bit like chasing points, but if you can pick him up and flip him, I don't hate that idea also. Um, but also really depends on what's going on with uh, Jamar Chase. If Jamar Chase's hip continues to act up, which appears to be the situation when it was this weekend, Boyd could be the number two moving forward and once again, until they get a Jamar Chase back. Um, Hayden Hurst, if you need a tight end, been getting plenty of love out there. And Cincy, same situation here. If he's in the red zone, it's a good option. And also George Pickens. Uh, Steelers are being pretty vocal right now about wanting some more deep shots, and I don't blame them. You got George Pickens, use George Pickens. And preferably from than five yards down the field. He's too good for that. Uh, but if you guys want to win a free $200 bet this NFL offseason, well, as new users on DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet $5 and win a free $200 bet. Just head over to ProFootballNetwork.com and you can check out all of our latest betting promos to claim this offer today. And you kind of touched on it earlier. You had a, a big weekend. A lot of it thanks to your props. You also did pretty well against the spread, things like that. It was it was a good one for you. So I think we're leading into this game here with the Patriots between eight to eight and a half point favorites. Primetime games haven't been the most exciting. What's your what are your leans right now so far for Monday night football, my friend? Yeah, this is the perfect opportunity to ruin a good week with some uh primetime mess between two teams that quite frankly, I don't know. I don't know what direction either of these two teams are going in the Patriots with eight points. Oh man. I I hate this line so much, but I feel like we have to take the Patriots minus eight and it's just, it feels dirty to say it. Um, The bears are five, 12 and one against the spread in their last 18. Obviously just not a good team. I, I look at them and I say, you know, they've got the, the ability to do this, to cover this eight points and, to play to punch above their weight basically right because they've done it a few times or they've gotten close to finishing but that doesn't matter when it comes to betting you just actually have to cover and so I think they're not going to be able to run the ball too effectively I think New England Bill Belichick he's gonna look at it like this he's like we just played Cleveland Cleveland had a very similar strategy try to run the ball try to break down this clock limit possessions and guess what happened it didn't matter it didn't matter at all. Even though we get Mac Jones back for this one, and maybe not Bailey Zappi, the magic, maybe it won't be there. Um, I still think that New England just has too much firepower. The 3-2-1 against the spread this year. I do think Jones will help a little bit. Um, I, I think we're starting to get to the zone with Zappi where it's kind of like, okay, it, it's a wall's going to be coming soon. The defense eventually gets too much film, and so I think Jones will be a little bit of an upgrade or at least very moderately the same as, as how he's been. So I'm staying away from the total. It's at 40.5. We're getting... A ton of the money on the total. I could see this being a sneaky game where it ends up being like 32 to 10 and that 40 and a half doesn't end up clearing. I do think there is that big of a disparity between the coaching staffs in this game and that to me matters. Yeah, and I will say too in this game, there is, it's not nailed down yet, but there's like a, between a 15 to a 60% chance of rain. It won't be heavy rain but there likely will be some precipitation in the air that started on Sunday night. It's kind of been kept going throughout the day. So it's like, it probably won't be too much, but that is something to kind of keep an eye on mind on here while we are kind of making some of these plays. Um, now in terms of your promise front or for touchdowns, I know the saying this is going to be a low scoring game. Is there anyone you're leaning for like for any time touchdowns that way we're not messing with, you know, just, Hey, I think this guy's going to have a good night passing end zone touchdowns are sexy. That's what we love. That's what we're here for. We're for points. Yep. You got any like anybody that we like for this one? There are a couple. There's three of them that I like more than any. We get Damian Harris back, so that's kind yeah. of exciting. It's not good for uh, Ramondre Ramondre Stevenson, fantasy managers. No, it's awful. I'm, uh, I'm not happy it, about it, but I'm glad. I'm glad he's right, healthy. I'll be. I'll we're right healthy. back. 
Exactly. We're right back into this vortex that is the Patriots' backfield. But we do know one thing. Damian Harris gets the red zone carries. He's plus 110. Ramondre Stevenson is minus 130 to get an anytime touchdown. Let's just take Harris. It's a better bet. We know for a fact that he's going to get those touches. Bears have a bottom three run defense. Uh, We're going to see Harris, Harris back in that red zone role. I also like Hunter Henry. Anytime touchdown, he... We'll see if he continues his success with Mac Jones. Obviously, last year had a great year in the red zone with Mac Jones. Uh, but this year, 12 targets over his last two games after being a pretty much a non-factor the first couple of weeks. More involvement in that offense is good. He's plus 300 for an anytime touchdown. And then also, I want to see, does Matt Eberfluss actually keep his word? Khalil Herbert, mm-hmm. anytime touchdown at plus 500. He's been the better back of the two very good backs in Chicago. If he's the hot hand which I think stylistically against this defense is very possible. I think plus 500 for an anytime touchdown is a really good value. Yep. I like that one a lot too. And also for the Damon Harris, those odds have actually become better for you. It's now plus 135 for a Damon Harris anytime touchdown. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson is at minus 135. So give me Damian Harris because we know they want to use him inside in the red zone. I saw a couple super boosts that are floating out there over on FanDuel. I don't love them. I think the one that's interesting we saw was a uh, – uh, Justin Fields, 25 rushing yards, and a John Morant, 25 points. I think those those are fun. I enjoyed that one. I think there's one big one floating around out there, too, at like plus 1,900. Um, it's Odds aren't great. You're asking for a lot of things to happen on those big things, especially in a game like this where we're not expecting a ton of production. It's hard to for me to put out a ton of plays and have with any level of confidence or accuracy on that one, too. Um, Cats, we gave Ian a chance to kind of talk about how, how he did. How were you this weekend? Yeah, last week I came on the podcast and talked about having my worst week of the year, uh, but and we did, but we did redemption. bounce back. This is redemption. We, we did bounce back. Now, this wasn't necessarily in terms of um, volume; it was more in terms of quality of play. Ended up going only ten and nine on the week, but it was plus five point eight seven units. I hit on two big plays, including one that I gave out live in the PFN Discord, which was Cortland Sutton under forty three point five receiving yards live. After watching the first drive, I knew right away that he was not catching any passes that game. He didn't even come close with just two receptions, I think, for something like fourteen yards. So that was that was a a pretty safe one, no real sweat on that one. And then I did only have one touchdown prop, and that was George Kittle. Hit on that for, for uh, at plus one ninety. We will not get that line ever again. That's probably the if best. If Kittle didn't the score on national tight ends, they there is something wrong with his existence. Like reset the simulation. You know what? That that should have been that should have been the process. I gave enough. Just national tight ends day. We go with the best tight end in football. Yes, it's George Kittle. It always has been, uh, and he scores. So that 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 one worked out. Um, now on touchdown props, though, I should just stick to those. I'm nine and six on the season, a plus ten point five five units, but nine and three in my last twelve, and almost every one of them is plus money. I just don't want to lay any juice on that. And the props on the season are now sixty five fifty six on the year, plus nine point nine units. So overall, we're doing pretty well. Going to try and keep it going. And if you want to hop on board for the ride, Tommy, tell the people about the easiest way to follow all of my bets in real time. Yeah, if you guys are tired of tracking your bets out on messy spreadsheets or don't know your ROI like Katz does and your record because you're on so many sports books, well, Picket is the best bet tracking app on the market and makes it quick and easier for you to track all of your sports book accounts. You can track your bets, shop the best lines, and sweat them all out with a community of avid sports fans just like yourself. Sign up today using promo code PFN365 and sync all of your favorite sports books, and you can win up to $100 for free. 
Pickett is free to join and 100% free to you. So what are you waiting for? Remember, that is promo code PFN365 to track all of your bets and get up to $100 just for signing up. Nice thing about, about Pickett is we can see the trends of the community and where all the lines and the volume is on this one. I don't think it's any surprise that they are favoring the New England Pagers on this one, as are the sports look, giving them their between eight to eight and a half point favorites. Right now, the Pagers are getting 94% of the money, and they're also getting 91% of the bets of the Sharps and the public very much in line on that one. And they're even actually liking the Patriots to cover getting 94% of the money and 84% of the bets. The line, Ian, you talk about this one, it is 45 Sorry, it is 40.5, which is low. Apparently, it's not low enough for a majority of the community as 83% of the money and 80% of the volume are still favoring the under 40.5. I think probably this comes down to the the belief that Bill Belichick is going to say, hey, Justin Fields, if you want to win, you're going to have to beat me as a passer. And that's something he hasn't necessarily shown yet. And I don't think Luke Getze in this offense has shown the ability to design a clever enough scheme to fool someone, especially not someone that's seen basically every single offense out there like Bill Belichick has. Uh, some of the popular prop bets were Mondre Stevenson rushing yards, uh, Justin Fields passing yards, actually on the under, overall Justin Fields rushing yards at over 25 seen. That's a pretty popular one as well. He's got to get loose one time, and he can do that most times or not. Jacoby Myers receiving yards as he's pretty much the only option here for the New England Patriots as they've also dealt with some injuries. And then Ramondre Stevenson, anytime touchdown, was actually getting better odds um, uh, compared to like Damian Harris. So it's there's some interesting props you can throw out there. I think I saw one that uh, I kind of put together was Patriots money line um, under 40.5, Justin Fields over his 25 rushing yards. And then um, Damian Harris with a anytime touchdown comes out of like plus 2,800. Like it's some stupid high number. I put half a unit on it just to do it. Like I, I, I don't have any fancy players in this one really. So at least I got to have some skin in the game just to make myself sit through and watch this game. Uh, but you have other options here too, as I want to tell you about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season. It is underdog fantasy and their pick em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite player stats and pick whether they'll end up higher or lower than that number in this week's game. And you went up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players for your pick em entry. Get all your picks right and you can take home some cold hard cash. It is simple to get started. Just head over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up with promo code PFN and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Remember, that is Underdog Fantasy promo code PFN. Get in on the action today. Cats, I know you were busy over there on Underdog, and I'm pretty sure, am I correct? Do you have a that article that will be coming out uh, later on this afternoon, right? Yes, sir. Uh, got my weekly Monday Night Football Underdog plays, and uh, I've actually got five of them tonight. And let me tell you, as much as this game may be like ugly and whatnot, I mean, I had a smile on my face when I was writing this one because this week uh, I was way too heavy on going with uh, with hires, I think. And, well, let me tell you, I got five lowers for tonight. We are just fading these offenses You are entirely. such a glass half-empty kind of person. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm all for just watching a game and just rooting for the <laughs> clock to expire. So that's really what a lower is, right? If you're watching it really you, is. Watch, you just want it to end. <laughs> and see, this is the difference it. between us. You look at these games, it's like, I just want this game to go over. I'm just like, 
life's too short to bet the under. Like, I'm that type of person. Like, this is why I lose half the time when I put together these ridiculous parlays. And you're how you're just being sensible by taking unders. Like, how dare you be sensible in 2022 around me? You know what's great is as soon as the game starts, you're winning. Isn't that awesome? The, the difference between, between lowers and hires is with a lower, you're winning until you lose. With a higher, you're losing the entire time until the moment where you win. I know that's no a great feeling when you win. Around but... me. <laughs> I mean, it's six in one hand, half dozen in the other. Anyway, let's get to the place. Um, I actually tweaked the article a little bit this week because since everything was a lower, it was kind of one general analysis and then everything flowed through. So I'll g- give you guys that. Uh, the Bears and Patriots both rank top seven in neutral game script run rate and run rate in general. The Bears are actually first at 57%. And these are two teams that play relatively slowly. Patriots are about average in pace of play, but the Bears take the fifth longest time between snaps. Everything we know about these teams suggests this might be a slow-paced, low-scoring, run-heavy contest. So we're starting with Justin Fields lower than 25.5 pass attempts. Last week was the first time all season Fields attempted more than 22 passes in a game. So six games, and he had lower than 23.5 pass attempts in all of them. And this number set at 25.5, so we're taking the lower there. Next one is Ramondre Stevenson, lower than 83.5 rush plus receiving yards. We just heard Ian talk about Damian Harris's return and how that might impact it. And I just think that Damian Harris is going to go back to being in that timeshare with him. Stevenson's been playing around 88% of the snaps the past two weeks. Uh, that was around 60%. With Harris there, yes, Stevenson is talented enough to get higher than that number on his own, but I'm banking on the volume just not being there and him needing to be efficient. So we're going lower there. Next one, Mac Jones, lower than 28.5 pass attempts. It fits with the game strip that we're talking about here. Uh, Mac Jones attempted at least 30 passes in his first three games. Yes, I know that is more than 28.5. It was 30, 35, and 32. But in all of those games, the Patriots either face negative game script or neutral game script. Tonight, we're expecting positive game script, in which case they will be running the ball. I think Mac Jones maxes out at around 25 pass attempts, so we're going lower there. And with the same token, lower than 1.5 passing touchdowns for Mac Jones. In his career, 20 starts, only seven times has he thrown from uh, two or more touchdowns. He has not done it in either of his three starts this year. We're, take, we're taking the odds on that one. And then finally, Jacoby Myers, lower than 10.25 fantasy points. I love Jacoby Myers, perennially underrated. 26.7% target share, 17th amongst wide receivers, clear wide receiver one. But the thing is, if we think that Mac Jones is only attempting 25 or so passes, then that target share, 25%, 26%, only amounts to what, six, seven, maybe eight targets? If he has six catches for 70 yards, which would be a really nice game, an underdog, that is not 10.25 fantasy points. I think he needs a touchdown to get there. In week one with Mac Jones, Myers caught four passes, 55 yards. I think that's about what we get from him tonight. So that is our fifth and final lower for this evening. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's going to wrap up today's episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. If you enjoyed today's episode of the show, feel free to leave a rating and review, whether it's on iHeart, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts at. Also, continue to stay up to date with the latest news around the league by heading over to ProFootballNetwork.com, where you can find analysis covering not only fantasy football and betting, but breaking news around the league, college football, and the NFL draft. Remember to get involved with the PFN community. The PFN Pass gives you direct access to the Discord and unlocks exclusive content from PFN Productions, weekly giveaways, and weekly AMAs with the PFN staff, including lineups, wave wire advice, and a Sunday morning start sit, plus even more betting coverage during the week to help fill up that bankroll. 
and it's never too early to start mock drafts for the 2023 season using the PFN MDS, which you can find over at ProVimoNetwork.com forward slash mock draft. You can follow Jason over on Twitter at JasonCats13 and Ian over at NFL Film Study and myself at Tommy Garrett PFN. Speaking for Ian and Jason, good luck this week, and we'll see you guys on Wednesday for another episode of the show.